Come on, how's everyone doing this morning? Oh, it's so good, so good. Well, hey, yeah, it's exciting to be here with you this morning, back in my hometown, London. I, too, am a very proud Londoner. I love this city very much, and, you know, it's just, now that Drew and Heather moved to the other side of the city from my parents, it's like I get the opportunity to kind of see more of it, and when we come and visit, which is kind of like a, why'd you guys have to move from a logistical standpoint, but I get to see the city, which is awesome, so, which is great, but it's just been awesome to be here for the past um, couple of days, just hanging out with family, and uh, just so excited to be here. Are you guys excited? Yeah. Are you excited about what God's doing? Like, I don't know what you guys, but this morning, um, you know, to be honest, for the past probably couple of years, I haven't really attended church in a sense. Like, it's been, it's been an interesting journey for us and some of my roles and stuff like that. So the opportunity to actually sit in a worship experience and, and sense the presence of God, like, I, I hope we never, ever, 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 ever take that for granted. Yeah. Amen? Like, the, just the opportunity to come and to sing songs and worship God. His presence is here. We serve a living God. You know, so many people I think of often, I think often about different people around the world that today are going into temples and bowing down before candles and praising wooden figures and, and figments of their imagination. Like, how amazing is it that we get to come here today and together worship, like, the true, the living God who he went on the cross, died for our sins, but he got off that he rose again. Amen? And he's alive and well. And uh, his presence is here. And uh, it's just, it's such, a, such an honor to be here. But as, as Drew said, you know, uh, me and Drew are brothers. I don't know if you can tell. Is there a resemblance? Is there? Is there, Heather? What do you think? <laughs> There's like, she's like, I don't know how to answer that question, so I'm not going to answer that question. Um, he's a handsome fella. I'd like there to be some resemblance. I'd be cool with that. But Drew and I are brothers, and, and we had the opportunity to grow up together in this fair city and do ministry together with my dad. So I feel like I have a connection with, with uh, Praxis, you know, through your journey of being City View, coming out of, of Royal View, you know, like, and again, like, I know so many people in this room really, really well. His best man in Kev's wedding. He's the best man in my wedding. And so uh, Mark's wedding. Where's Marco? There he is. Now he has a kid. Now we have kids. What happened to us, guys? <laughs> I feel like we should make, like, a movie about our lives. It's, uh, it would be not good. <laughs> it, would, it would not be good. I tell stories from my, from my teen years, and it's like, I, I'm starting to realize that, yeah, there's just some crazy stuff that happened. I, I'll be like, did this happen in your teens? And people are like, no. <laughs> How did you not end up in jail? It's like, yeah. <clears throat> Anywho, I won't get into any of those stories because I'm not here to embarrass anyone. But I, I hate doing this because I feel like it's like the thing that guest speakers have to do is, is brag on their spouse. Um, and I actually never do it when I speak places just because I'm like, why do people God do that? But it is a very special day. Today's Laura's birthday, my wife's. So I just want to say happy birthday and say I love you. And honestly, uh, thank you so much just for being my, my partner in crime, my partner in life, and giving me the most beautiful little girl in the world as a daughter and, and love you very, very much. And so that's all I'm going to do because you don't want to hear all that mushy stuff. But there is power in, uh, you know, just publicly affirming each other, eh? You know that? You know, and that's... It's awesome to be in this room with you guys because I've already sensed that here. And yeah, it's just so exciting to be here. But as, as Drew said, you guys have been in this series kind of looking at and going through this kind of looking at the principles that make up praxis, what you believe as a church, the, the key facets of your faith. And so, um, you know, as I was thinking about that, I was kind of hemming and hawing and going over a few different message possibilities. And I was like, maybe I'll just take the easy road and go into the archives and pull something out. I actually did that at the start, to be honest with you all. And, uh-oh, did I just say y'all? <laughs> oh, my gosh. With all of you people that are in this room, all you Canadians, goodness gracious. For everyone who's here, you know, I, I just, but then God really began just to speak to my heart and really began to speak specifically to me about something that I need to work on deeply 
in my life. And it's funny because sometimes in, you know, sometimes in ministry you come and you're sharing from a place of like, you know, I've journeyed through this and I'm on the other side. And to be completely honest with you guys this morning, I'm actually sharing from a position in my life where this is almost like self, uh, self-counseling this morning a little bit through the scriptures. Looking at the scriptures and, and, you know, this is not something that I have figured out in my life. And actually, specifically, in this season that Laura and I are in, coming back to Canada and really without any rhyme or reason in terms of what's next, kind of just putting a pause on life for the next three to six months and just asking God, what, what do you have for us? Specifically, I really felt God prompting on my heart and speaking to my spirit to talk about prayer this morning. And I know, riveting, right? You're like, wow, yes, another message on prayer. Turn to the person beside you say, another message on prayer. <laughs> I know, it can be riveting. It can seem like something that, you know, we talk about all the time, but I really just, God was really putting it on my heart. And it's funny because some of the most simple facets of our faith can be some, the most difficult to execute. You know, sometimes it's the, the easiest things that's like, you know, we learned in high school, or in, in high school maybe for some of us, but in Sunday school, these things that we've learned, the most simple, most basic, most primary facets of our faith at times can actually be the ones that are the most difficult to execute. And so this is just something, to be honest, I'm coming to you guys this morning speaking from a place of this is something I'm journeying through, is that I need to be a man, to be a father, to be a husband that's found himself in prayer, that actually is getting in the face of God, encountering him, speaking to him, and allowing him to speak into my life. So is that okay if we talk about prayer this morning? You guys okay with that? So we're going to open our Bibles today, and we're going to go to the book of Matthew. If you have your Bible or your phone, why don't you turn there today? Matthew 7, verses 7 to 10, I'm going to read. I'll give you guys just a couple seconds to get there. And look at the person beside you if you're on their phone and see how long their streak is and and judge them. Just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. I actually have a really funny story about that one time. I uh, I was at a conference. I was at a conference and I was actually between two staff members. And it was kind of like a big boomy room. And so I'm talking to the person beside me. And he's like, you, how do you like using version?" I'm like, actually, I, uh, I've never, you know, I, I switched about four or five years ago. And I've, all my notes are in version now. And I love version. It's all there. And I'm a digital guy. And, and I, you know, I don't think I've cracked a Bible for three or four years. And, and so, but the person, the other staff member that was to my other side, they didn't hear the start of the conversation. They only heard me turn my head and say, I haven't cracked a Bible for three to four years. So she, she's like, um, a what? I'm like, what? She's like, you haven't opened your Bible? And th- I'm like, no, I use version and, and here. It was good times. They didn't fire me. I was there for a few more years after that, so it was good. But in Matthew 7, verses 7 to 10, I'm reading from the English Standard Version, if you care. And this is what it says. This is Jesus. He says this to his disciples. Uh, he just given them the Lord's Prayer, and they're kind of asking him, like, how do we pray? And this is what he says. He gives them the Lord's Prayer, and then Matthew 7 here, he says this. Verse 7, he says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock. And it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Some very basic key things are in this scripture that I'm sure you've actually read and heard and probably heard a lot of messages on over the years of asking, seeking, and knocking. But before we get to that, I think there's just a core truth that we have to make sure that we're all on the same page about this morning. And that is this simple truth, that God is good. That God is good. Do you ever stop and ponder on the goodness of God? 
And I don't know what's going on in life. I don't know what's going on in work or what's going on in your family. I don't you know the struggles or the trials. Some of you guys are probably in a, in a great season of life. Other of you in this room, maybe you're struggling through different seasons of life. But I will tell you this, that God is good. And anything I say from this point on this morning will really mean nothing to you. Because who wants to pray to a God if you don't understand in the, in the core of your being, if you don't understand in the depths of your heart that this God that you serve, the God that died on a cross for you, that he is good. So honestly, this morning, before we move on to anything else, as I was kind of preparing this over the past couple of days, it's just, it, was, it was exploding in my heart that what's the point of talking about prayer if we can't understand the very base truth and I tell you this morning, it's truth. It's true. God is good. And the reality is there's circumstances of life. I get it. I get that there's seasons of life. I get that there's disappointments in life. I get that there's struggle. And that sometimes it can be hard to see it. But if, if I literally, if I came to share with you guys this morning and you only walk away with one thing in your hearts or you only remember one thing that I say this morning to all you guys is that God is good. If we wanted to get a little bit old school, I could say, God is good. And you would say? And all the time? Come on now. <laughs> My Gary Fest is coming out. <laughs> Hallelujah. We praise your name. I love that man so much. I love him. Speaking of the good father, he is a, he is a very, very good father. But God is good. And all the time, God is good. It says this in Romans 8. Verses, uh, verse 28, sorry, it says, And we know God causes all things to work together for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. You see here, God is good, and he wants to make everything work together for good in your life. I'm just trying to lay a bit of a theological framework for, you know, because we're going to be talking about praying and going to God and asking for things. And I want you to know that God does make all things work together for good for those who love him and who are called in accordance to his will. And here's the thing, that doesn't guarantee us that there's not going to be struggle, that doesn't guarantee us that there's not going to be anything other than life. Life is filled with many things, many highs, many lows in between. But I do know that God is good, that he wants to bless you, that he wants to impart into your life, that he wants to speak to you. You know, I'm not saying that God wants you to have a Cadillac or a mansion on a hill, not poo-hooing any of those things. But I think we can all agree that God, your father, he's a good father and he wants you to have a great marriage and a wonderful family and healthy children, meaningful and fulfilling employment, and et cetera. And the list goes on and on and on. And again, that doesn't matter that, that doesn't mean, sorry, that everyone gets the exact same thing. That doesn't matter that everyone's life has the same experience. And that doesn't mean that life's not filled with ups and downs and highs and lows and sickness. And we live in a fallen and broken world. But I do tell you this morning that God is good. So I ask you today, I'm going to be asking you guys a series of questions this morning, because here's the thing. Does anyone in the room have it all figured out? <laughs> yeah, Mark. Mark Mark has all of your insurance needs figured out. You can talk to him afterwards. <laughs> but something I've really just, you know what, this is it. I've got to be true, truthful about who I am. I don't have it all figured out. And so I'm not coming to you guys with a complete answer for your spiritual life. I'm not coming to you with a, with a solution to your prayer life this morning. I'm simply coming to you this morning trying to problematize some things and ask you guys some questions that hopefully you guys will ask yourselves and walk away today and be thinking about these things. So the question, first question I have for you today, and if you have your notes, why don't you write this down? Do I believe that God is good? Because I think this is the launching pad, this is the starting point for any prayer life. Because the reality is if you cannot in your heart, in the depths of your heart, say that, I believe that my God is good, 
then you'll always have a fractured and half-fulfilled prayer life. Come on. You know, over the years, my years of ministry and just in general, I've really started, and Drew kind of talked about it a little bit this morning, is, you know, it's, we really look to the patterns that Christ set before us. And so, you know, I, I remember kind of coming to that realization or that revelation, I don't know, a number of years ago, and it really transformed how I looked at Scripture and how I read, especially specifically the words that Jesus would say, you know, because I want to follow. The reality is I'm never going to attain perfection until that glorious day that I stand before him and I'm made perfect by the blood of Jesus. Amen. So I'm not going to be perfect, but, you know, we can get so stuck on this treadmill of trying to live out this perfect life. We get fixated on perfection, and it just leads to disappointment and frustration. And I really felt a number of years ago this revelation that it's not about perfection, but actually it's rather about patterns. So what does Jesus say? And when Jesus says things, I hope you know that when Jesus says things, he's not just saying things arbitrarily. You know, we need to pay attention to the words that he's saying, the order that he's saying, and we need to um, make sure that we're patterning our lives after the ways and things that Jesus said. So here we see in the scripture that we read earlier, three statements that Jesus says. He says to ask, to seek, and to knock. So I just want to break that down a little bit this morning. Is that okay? Push the person beside you and say, it's okay. Even if you don't think it is, it's going to be okay. So this is it. This is what it says. So ask. So the first, another question here is, what do you want or need God to do in your life? It all begins with us asking. The Greek word for ask is aito, meaning to desire, to have need or requirement for something. This is the first, so the first step in our prayer life is just like understanding and identify, identifying, sorry, what do you need? Is there anyone in the room this morning that, that needs God to do something in their life? Is there a situation that you need God to intervene in? You know, right now, Laura and I, one of the key, one of the kind of core central reasons for our return to Canada, we were really planning on coming back in about August, that we would have been in Atlanta for a complete two years, but we came back a bit early because currently my mother-in-law is battling stage four ovarian cancer. That is a very clear and present need in our life right now. We need God to come and to intervene. We need God's healing power to come and touch her life. We need God to intervene in that situation. As I said, we've come home without really <laughs> employment. <laughs> uh, if, you don't, if you don't laugh, you cry, right, Drew? <laughs> we don't really have a plan, if I'm being completely honest. So this is a season for Laura and I. We need God to speak with clarity, give us wisdom as to how to navigate these next few months and decisions to make, you know, about what's next in life. And it's so funny, like, I asked myself this question as I was kind of preparing this and looking at Jesus' ask of me, and it occurs to me, like, why is it so difficult in our culture to ask for things sometimes? I wonder if at times God, being good in nature, has so many things he wants to pour out into our lives and, and touch us with. And this is, like, please, this is not a prosperity message. I just got to put that disclaimer out there. This is not about monetary things. Does God bless you financially? Absolutely. We have many stories of that. Does God bless your health? Absolutely. But God wants to be present and active in every single facet of your life. And I wonder at times if he's not out there, or not out there, he's all around us with things, just waiting for the moment that we would just ask and seek him. How many things, how many good things does God have for your life that we're just not asking for? I mean, he already knows everything we desire and need. He knows every single thought. He's aware of every single circumstance. So, Laura and I, we've been married for 11 years. Come on. That's 11 years. That's good. 11 years. Come on now. That's not nothing. Actually, it's a, uh, next week, right, is 13 years that we've known each other. And so, it's funny. I was thinking about this, this kind of whole concept of asking him. Laura and I, we had gone on this double date with... Um, 
Mar- Marlene, who's uh, Heather's sister, who kind of introduced Laura and I, and um, a individual in this room who shall remain nameless, who's <laughs> not married to her, Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so we went on this double date with, uh, with, a drum, with this, this beautiful man that plays drums like a beast, has a, an amazing beard, and Marlene, Laura's friend. And we went to go see bench warmers. We were actually, we went to Silver City to see bench warmers. Anyone see bench warmers? Come on, athlete. Um, and we went and saw that movie, and it was fantastic. And then we're driving. So at this point, Laura and I, we had been doing like hour-long conver- uh, phone conversation uh, conversations like basically every night for a number of weeks. Our text life was phenomenal. Like I'm talking like text all day, all night, like just doesn't stop, just text messaging back and forth. That was text, by the way, if you're wondering. Um, yeah. So we had an amazing text life. We're talking all the time. We've gone on this double date and we are driving back and I'll never forget it. We're on um, Fanshawe Park Road. There's a red light at Highbury Ave and the car stop. We stop because there's a red light, obviously, you know, abiding by the laws. And uh, we stop and I'm sitting there and we're just looking at each other. And I said, so this is getting kind of official, yeah? And she just said, no. I was like, "Um, sorry. She's like, no, you have to ask me. I was like, what? She's like, you have to ask me to be your girlfriend. I'm just like, but like we both know what's going on here. What's, like we know this is happening. What is the point? What is the benefit of me asking you? And she's like, no, I will not be your girlfriend until you ask me, say the words, will you be my girlfriend? And I said, all right. So it was 1052, April 29, 2006 at the corner of Fanshawe Park and Highbury. I said to Laura, will you be my girlfriend? And she said, no. (laughs) No, she said, yes. She said, yes. And we started dating. But you know, it's, it's just kind of, I think about that story and it's kind of like God. Like so many times it's like God, he's omniscient. He knows everything. He knows every circumstance. He knows every fa- He knows every hair on your head. He knitted you together in your mother's womb. I could rhyme off a few more cliche scriptures if you really want me to. But I want you to know that God knows everything. But there's something about that relationship where he sometimes I think just wants us to ask. God, he knows about your situation at work. But is he waiting for you just to say, God. Can you please intervene in this situation? Can you please intervene with my manager who's, who's abusive? Can you please intervene? Could you please intervene in my marriage? God knows about your marital struggles. He knows what's working, what's not working. He knows. But is he maybe just waiting for you to say, God, could you please, please can you intervene in this situation in my life? Have you ever noticed how much easier it is to help someone when they can specifically articulate to you what they need. There's been so many times in life in our marriage, it's like, I didn't know Laura needed something, you know? That's why when we do this premarital counseling stuff with with couples, it's always like communication. Communication and expectation is such a big deal because if you can learn to communicate, then your partner can meet the expectation, but there's so many expectations we have. There's probably so many expectations that you have of God. Have you ever communicated your expectations to God? Have you ever just told him? Because I'm telling you right now, it's not going to surprise him because he knows what the expectation is. Is he just waiting for us to explain it to him? You know, I think it's important that we're specific. There's this, there's this really interesting account that's kind of like a bit left field in Genesis chapter 30. It's, a, you know, 
It's, um, it's Jacob, and he's looking to take his wife, and his, he's trying to basically separate his life from his father-in-law Laban. And he says, look, I'm going to take all of these speckled goats and, uh, or sheep. I'm going to take them and go a three days journey away from you, and you'll have all the pure sheep, and I'll have all the speckled ones, and then we'll know if I, you know, you'll know if there's any pure white sheep in my flock, you'll know. Um, that, you know, it was stolen from your flock. Let's separate our lives. And so what he actually does is there's this really kind of strange account. It kind of seems arbitrary where he actually gathers a bunch of almond branches and um, poplar wood and he actually, he, uh, he slices it so it has these strips in it and he puts it before the speckled, um, the goats and the sheep or whatever it is and he, um, he puts this, he puts these sticks before them and they breed speckled goats. And actually if you start to really kind of it seems so kind of flippant, like this weird account of this happening. But what scholars actually really believe is that what happened was Jacob actually went and got these branches, and what he actually did is he fashioned them in to the shape of a goat or a sheep. And he actually put this before the goat and the sheep. So what he did was he actually, he knew exactly what he wanted from God. He knew exactly how he wanted God to intervene in his circumstance. And what he did is he actually fashioned a physical model of that which he was expecting God to do and put it before him. So my question is, are you asking God for what you need in your life, what your desires of your heart are, where the areas that you're looking for God to intervene? Are you actually specifically articulating these things to God and walking in step with him? There's so many times over the past couple of years, Laura reminded me on the drive over here, when we were in Atlanta, you know, uh, we went down and, um, you know, it was a... It was almost like a missions experience in a lot of way in terms of our, our remuneration, if you want to call it that. Um, we just didn't have, we weren't being paid a whole lot. And that's okay because we knew that God had taken us there, that he was taking us on a journey, that he was teaching us some things. And so we just didn't have a whole lot of cash to throw around at things. And we were pastoring about 50-minute drive from, our, uh, from where we lived, our campus. We lived by the hub campus, but the campus we were at was about 50 minutes away and traveling back and forth. We probably spent more time together in the last two years and we did the first nine years of our marriage. I actually did the math because if anyone in the room knows me, I was basically home about 30 minutes a day most days. Um, and so anyway, we were just praying to God. We actually began to pray to God specifically. And again, like disclaimer, this is not, I'm not getting into prosperity teaching or anything like this, but we're like, God, we need to make this, it's like looking at the budget, looking at the bottom line, we need someone to give us a house to live in and we need someone to give us a car because on paper, that's the only way this is going to work, unless we're going to start eating into savings. And we began to pray into that. And it's funny because you can forget about it. I actually forgot that we prayed that. But someone gave us a car, and someone gave us rent in a, in a basement apartment for literally a third of the value of what it should have been. And it's so funny because sometimes you can be like, man, like, again, I'm not getting into prosperity teaching here, but when we specifically ask God to intervene in things, now let me tell you, it was a 2002 Hyundai Sonata that had been in a car accident. <laughs> And it was a basement apartment with our, with our bosses living upstairs, which is like, you think wouldn't be awkward, but you're just like, you feel like you're at work all the time. But it's just the lay of the land. It's so funny. The reason I say that is to paint this picture of like, we specifically asked God to intervene. We specifically asked God to, to come. We were asking him specifically for things that were desires of our heart. And not, not selfish, and I'll get into that in a second here. Not selfish, frivolous desires of our heart, but our hearts aligning with God saying, you've called us here, will you provide? And he did. And you know, would I, like, would I have liked a Lexus a heck of a lot better than a 2002 Hyundai Sonata that was in a car accident? Absolutely. Would I prefer not to live with my boss? Absolutely. But we, we had desires in our heart that God, and we asked of him and he provided. Sometimes it doesn't look like exactly what you want it to look like, but 
God always provides because he's good. Amen? So be specific. You know, I started going to Lifetime Fitness. You probably can't tell because I'm specifically choosing my, um, I'm selectively choosing my attire day to day. Um, because while I was in America, I put on a significant amount of weight, <laughs> about 25 pounds. Let me just say this. This is another biblical truth. You ready for this? Chick-fil-A is awesome. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's delicious. And Jesus hasn't blessed it because they don't sell it on Sundays. So it's just, it's awesome. I love Chick-fil-A a little bit too much. And was pretty inactive, and I started putting on weight, but I was like, okay, I need to get this under control, so I start going to the gym, and I start seeing all these guys wearing these, like, vests. They're, like, kind of, like, almost like a, like a wetsuit material, and they're wearing them over their, the cores of their bodies, and they're, they're working out, and so I'm like, you know what? I get why that's happening. I'm like, because it's heating up the fat. Like, they're, it's, as they're working out, it's heating up the fat. They're burning more fat. This is awesome. I want to burn more fat. I want one of these scuba vests. So I'm just like, so I go home, and I'm just like, okay. So I go on Amazon. I'm literally putting like, is it a scuba vest? I put scuba vest, like nothing comes out. Because why would you wear a vest to scuba dive, right? <laughs> Makes no sense. So I'm just like, sweat vests. And it's all these like ugly Christmas sweater vests. <laughs> I'm just like, what do I call this thing? So I'm searching, and I'm searching, and I'm searching. And eventually I come to find out that they are, in fact, called sauna vests. And so it's amazing, though, because, you know, I'm looking on Amazon because Amazon is life. Amen. Come on now. Thank you, Jesus, for Amazon. You know, never have to step foot in a, a store again, hopefully. But so I go on Amazon when I don't know what it is. I'm searching. I can't find what I'm looking for. But the moment that I finally, through the process of seeking it out, seeking out the information, I was able to find out that they were called sauna vests. I now go on Amazon. I put the word sauna vest in there. There is umpteen thousand to choose from. A lot of them are on Prime. They'll be there in two to three days. Praise God. Thank you very much. What's the guy's for? It's not Elon Musk. He's the Tesla guy. Pezos? Come on. Thank you, Pezos. He'll take your pesos. Thank you, Pezos, for Amazon. I got, well, I actually didn't buy one yet because I'm kind of embarrassed. I think I want to get one, but I'm like, I just feel like it'd look really weird. But anywho, the reason I tell you that little funny story is this. When we actually seek out information, when we actually seek out how to articulate things, that it then opens up a whole world to us that we didn't know was there, that we didn't have access to before. And so the first thing is we need to ask. We need to clearly understand what we're looking for. We need to articulate it. But the second thing we need to do is seek. Everyone say seek. So the Greek word for seek is zeteo, meaning inquire, to search, to question, and to investigate. So now that we understand, now that we understand that we need to ask for things, the next step is to seek out God. God, what do you want for my life? Because here's the deal. I could ask for a Cadillac. I don't know if God's going to answer that. But I bet you if we ask for patience, God will give it to us. Or at least he'll provide opportunities for us to be patient, for wisdom, for a healthy marriage, for fulfilling a meaningful employment. For all these things, you know, I really believe as we begin to seek, not just for things, not just for a response for God, we're, yes, we're asking God to intervene in our life, we're inviting him in, the ask is more of an invitation than anything, but then we begin to seek God, God, what do you want for my life? And it's interesting, it says in Psalm 37 verse 4, it's a, it's a, very, it's a very popular verse, of course, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know, this is a, actually, I, I actually read this article as I was kind of like researching this scripture, and 
as God brought me here, it's like Oprah, she has this whole thing about, that's like her favorite verses, you know, Psalm 37 verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you, and she basically distills it down to this, you know, the Lord can be whatever you want it to be, but it's actually really interesting as you start to look at this scripture, delight yourself in the Lord, Lord's all caps, L-O-R-D, all caps, and, and this is actually something that I didn't know, but whenever you see the word Lord in capitals in the Bible, it means it's a reference to the particular person, the personal name of the God of Israel, not to a generic name for God. This is what is here. Delight yourself in Yahweh, the God of Israel, the God of the Father Messiah, Jesus Christ, who descended to the world to die for sinners and rise again and establish an eternal kingdom. This is the God that's being referenced here. That when we delight ourselves in the person of God, he will then give us the desires of our heart. Because the more that we get to know the person of God, let me tell you this, delighting in church does not unlock the desires of your heart. Delighting in community does not unlock the desires of your heart. Delighting in the principles and the precepts and the morality, delighting in those things is great. Do it. I'm not saying don't do it, but what I'm saying is if we want God to actually begin to enact the desires, the deepest desires of our heart, we actually have to delight in him, the person who God is. And why is that? Because this, this synonymous relationship begins to build where we actually are in, interacting and are encountering the actual person of God. It actually begins to shape and form the desires of our heart. Does that make sense this morning? That when we actually have an encounter with God, the Father, and not just an idea, not just the concept, not just what we've learned in Sunday school, not just what we've heard Pastor Drew speaking about or, or what the, the, the lyrics that we've seen on a screen as we've been singing songs, but when we actually encounter the person of God, it begins to transform us and it begins to actually shape the very desires of our heart. You know, if you've ever gone on any sort of diet, you know that to break out of the mold of the eating the things that aren't good for you, at first, a lot of times the things that you're eating don't actually taste good for you, uh, good to you. And the more that you consume them, the more that you consume them, the more that you consume them, your actual, your actual um, cravings it's scientific. Your cravings actually begin to change. So I don't know where you're at in this place, but I have to ask you, are you actually asking God to intervene? And the things that you're asking him for, are they actually in alignment with what he has for your life? Because you have this powerful, vibrant relationship with him where you're actually feeding on understanding who the God, the God that created you is, that it's actually transforming and changing the very desires of your heart. Does this make sense? The reason that those who delight themselves in the Lord receive the desires of their heart is not to be just because one causes the other, but because one shapes the other. Delighting in God supremely determines, shapes the kinds of desires that we have in our heart. You know, I think of my life, I think of my life and an example of this in my life. You know, Lauren, I, I as I said earlier, have been married for 11 years now. And it's amazing the things that I'm interested in that I just would not have been 11 years ago. And it's amazing the things that she's interested in that she would not have been 11 years ago. When we first got married, I used to spend, how, much, how many hours? I used to spend about four hours a week. I would clean, of course, daily things, but I had my Thursday morning was my day off from work, and I would take four hours, and from top to bottom, I would scrub our house. Like, on my hands and knees, I would scrub every square inch of our house for about four hours, because I was just that much of a neat freak, and the thought of things not being clean all the time just drove me insane. And Laura was 
not messy, <laughs> but definitely not very clean. <laughs> and it's amazing. It is amazing. It's amazing because do I do four hours of cleaning every day? Or once a week? I should, maybe. <laughs> Cleanliness is next to godliness, so... Um, <laughs> No, but for real, it, it, I think it, it's a funny, simple, silly little illustration, but now, 11 years into marriage, I don't spend four hours a week scrubbing every square inch of our house, but Laura is far more organized and neat and clean. It's amazing what happens in our relationships. As you actually spend time with one another, you actually become more like one another. So my question for you this morning is, do you even want to know God? Are your desires becoming increasingly more like His? Are your desires more like God's desires today than they were a year ago? Than last week? And the reason, I, <laughs> the reason I ask that question, that first one, is because in this season, through some different challenges and struggles, is like I actually ask myself, I have to ask myself, like, do I actually even want to know God? And it kind of comes back to the first question. Do you remember that God is good? Come on now. Isn't it good? And the third thing we see is knock. The Greek word here is kruo, means to rap or to crack. If a door is open, then you don't really need to go in. Sometimes there just needs to be some motion to our faith. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really cautious with saying something like this because it can be really easy to distill our, our Christian walk into, you know, we get more focused on works than we are faith, but it's really easy also to be more focused on faith than works and actually taking some, some motion and some onus and some, some, some responsibility on our, in our lives and the circumstances that we're asking God to intervene in. You know, sometimes we say things like, I need a job. And I really believe that God wants to give you not just a job, not just a paycheck, but like meaningful and fulfilling employment where you can actually be a light. I believe that with all my heart, but my question is, have you handed out a resume? I'm waiting for a spouse. Have you gone on any dates? <laughs> I need a healing. Awesome. But have you consulted a doctor? Have you started eating better? I need answers. Have you consulted wise and godly counsel? You see, there's so many instances in the Bible. I don't really feel like I need to labor on this point of knocking. But you see through the Bible, like numerous, I mean, here's just a few. A, a few instances in the Bible where, our, where the response of God was determined by the earthly response on the front end. You think of Moses lifting his hands as the Israelites fought. You think of Johash hitting the arrows on the ground. You think of Elijah and the widow in the jars. These are just a few biblical examples of, yes, we, we go to God and we ask, God, can you please intervene in this situation? And over time, as we're seeking him, we're seeking him, we're seeking him, our desires and the things that we're actually asking God for in our life become more in alignment with what he's, what he's ordained and called for us and, and ordained for us to, to be walking in. But then there's also this point of knocking. Sometimes you just got to get a little bit of motion. My mom used to always say, uh, you know, there's some people that were so eternally minded that they were no earthly good. It's just like we're so focused on what, what is to come and what God wants you that in the moment, it's like not like, God, what do you want to do in my life today? What are some steps that I can be taking to allow you to be enacted and involved in my life? And I'm not advocating the all-too-prevalent idea that, results, that the results rest on our shoulders and that we're supposed to force a door open. I'm simply asking the question, as you seek, what is God asking you to do? What are the steps that we need to take? Sometimes God doesn't give us the big picture. 
He just gives us a small little sec, like, I, we're living that. He's like, go home. All right. What next? Cricket, cricket. <laughs> cricket, cricket. All right. Well, he did tell us to go home. And he spoke with clarity. Can I, can I actually talk about that? There's been no, a new, number of times. I'm so honestly blown away by the faithfulness of God. Because when we, were, when we were journeying through the return home, we were asking, you know, in the flesh it felt like the right thing to do. But we didn't make any step without asking God. And I specifically asked God, God, I need you to speak. I need you to, it's funny because I prayed. I need you to speak. I need you to speak with clarity. And I need you to confirm it so that I'm not walking in the flesh and making a silly decision. And let me tell you guys, I don't need to get into the specifics of it. But God spoke to me in the craziest way I think if he's ever spoken to me. And I was confused about certain facets of it. And then he spoke again and again in a way I had never heard his voice before in my entire life. And I was like, wow, all right, well, I feel, but God. And then we had a threefold confirmation. Three people calling us from out of state or out of country telling us it's time to come home. Yeah. So it's like, thank you, God. I, need you to, I don't want to just make this decision on my own. I want you to speak. Yeah. I want to hear you. And then he spoke. And it's good. So in conclusion because we talked about asking, seeking, and knocking. I just want to be, I want to kind of like, before we conclude this morning and, and take a moment to ponder upon these things, I really want to clear up that this is not a formula. It's a way of life. Because anytime you hear someone speaking about these things, just pray more. You know, if you prayed 15 minutes a day, it would unlock financial success for you. You know, oh, you need a job. You need to, you need to build a prayer closet in your bed. I'm not, I'm not telling you build a prayer closet. I'm not telling you 15, 30, 45, two hours. I'm not telling you any formula. I'm not saying that you have to ask and seek the knock. That's not what this is about. Because it's not about a formula. It's actually about a state of being. As it says, again, again, I'll repeat it. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be open to you. That's in the ESV. You know, at, although it seems here that, that these things are, this, this growth and they're sequential and it's coming to this place of, of this is how we pray, you know, it's important that we don't look at it just through this lens of just simply ask, we ask and we seek and we knock. Because as we look at each of these verbs here, we see that each is the present active imperative with the present being, in its customary sense, basically saying, make a habit. It's not saying just ask, and you ask once, seek and then knock, and then you're good. It's like, no, make a habit. That's what's actually, if you look at the scripture, and you start to, to break it apart and understand the, the language that's being used here, it's actually saying, make a habit of these things. Don't just do them once. Don't just do these things when you need something. Don't, do, don't just do these things when you need God to intervene in something, but continually make a habit of asking and seeking and knocking and asking and seeking and knocking. Actually, I love how it says it in the New, New Living Translation. It says this. It says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. So it's not a formula that I'm giving to you this morning. It's some, it's some principles and some precepts set before for us by Jesus, and the actual languages that he's, that he's using here isn't to say that when you need something and you're really in trouble, just ask, you can knock, and then I'll deliver. It's not one plus two equals three. It's a way of life where we continually, daily, hourly, in every circumstance, in every situation, ask and seek and knock. Ask and seek and knock. Ask and seek and knock. God, can you please intervene in this situation? Can you please show me your heart on the issue? Can you please teach me? Can you please reveal to me how I'm supposed to be involved in the solution here? Does this make sense? That is a continual thing. Keep on asking, you will receive. Keep on seeking, you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you.
So what I'm saying to you today is not a formula, it's a way of life. As we follow Jesus, we need to constantly, daily, hourly be asking ourselves, asking Jesus to intervene, but not just to intervene, to shape and sculpt the desires of our heart and to show us what we can do. And you know, I feel like the typical norm, as I said earlier, the typical norm after this is to kind of give you guys some sort of formula or some homework <laughs> to go home and, you know, this week, try to pray for 15 minutes or, you know, pray with pray. You know, the, everyone remember pray? What is it? Praise, request. No, praise, repent, ask, and yield. I could give you some acronym and some homework to go home and pray in a certain way, but that's not what I'm here to do. I'm simply here to ask you some questions. So if I could encourage you guys, and it's your own prerogative, I can't make you guys do this, but maybe over the next week, as you kind of allow yourself to think and, and, and ruminate on, on God and, and his voice and his, his involvement in your life and your situations and your circumstances, maybe over the next week, this is something I'm challenging myself to do. Over the next seven days, I want to wake up every single day and ask, me, ask myself just one question. What would stop me from praying today? Start with that. Don't pray for five minutes, two minutes, 30 seconds. I really don't care. That's between you and God. But I think we need to start asking ourselves some of these questions. What would stop me from praying today? And, uh, you know, I can't ever have the opportunity to share without, you know, I know probably a lot of people in this room are already believers, but... I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you know Jesus. I don't know if you have a personal relationship with Jesus. I don't know if he's actively involved in your life. I don't know if you have a life where you're pursuing righteousness and, and faith in him. I, I don't know where you're at, but I do know that God is good. So you might be here this morning, hear me talk about all this, and be like, well, I don't even know what it means to pray to God. That's totally okay. It's really exciting. We're actually so excited that you're here. So what we're going to do is we're all just going to bow our heads and close our eyes real quick. And I don't know if this is something that Praxis typically does. But this is just the way I know how to do it. We're just going to say this prayer together in solidarity with one another. Just inviting Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of our life. To be that person that we can ask and seek and, and know. And, and for him to give us wisdom and speak to us where to knock and where to go and what to do. So why don't we, just, as it says in Romans uh, chapter 10, sorry. If we confess with our mouth and believe with our hearts that Jesus is the Son of God. Who died for our sins that we can have eternal life in him. So why don't we say this together? Say this after me. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are who you said you are. The Son of God. And I know that I've sinned against you. I know that you died for my sins. And I accept your free gift of salvation. You are the Lord of my life. Give me your Holy Spirit. And make me a new creation on the path to righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. And now I don't know if uh, you made that, you said that prayer for the very first time in here. But if you did, we're just so excited that you've made a decision to follow Jesus. And this is not a one prayer fixes all kind of situation. It's definitely the beginning of an extraordinary, incredible life. And uh, if you want more information, we would love to chat with you. Come see Pastor Drew or myself. We'd love to, you know, kind of get some information into your hands. But we just want you to know that, like, if there is anyone in this room this morning that made that decision for the very first time, you know, the Bible says that heaven is actually throwing, like, a huge dance party right now. And there's a huge celebration because of the decision that you've made to follow him.